0: Listening to the Thornapple Valley Church podcast. Thank you for joining us. Our hope is for you to be encouraged and to connect with God during this message. If you'd like to know more about Thornapple Valley Church, visit TBCweb.com. Said the night wind to the little lamb, do you see what I see? Do you see what I see? Now obviously, something there was uh, going on that was very big two thousand years ago on that night. New Testament talks about it in this way, and uh, you've seen these scriptures before, but Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth, and he went to Bethlehem, the town of David, to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And, And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn a son, and she wrapped him in claws, and she placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. This is, I mean, this, just this story to me is mind-blowing. It all seems so crazy that God, who decides to come to man, would come in such an obscure way. I mean, do you ever, maybe it's just me, but do you ever wonder what did people think when they saw Joseph and Mary? What were they thinking? I mean, what was going on in their heads? Like, like I, can, I can picture all kinds of scenarios. I mean, I can see a husband and wife walking, and they walk by Joseph and Mary as they're going to the stable or wherever, and the guy's like, that woman's ready to pop any second. I must hurt to be her, and other people would ignore them. There's all kinds of things. I wonder if anybody had any idea. Of course, as I said, I envision all these scenarios. I actually had this image in my mind of a, you know, at the guest house where they couldn't stay, so they're in the stable, and And there was a couple staying upstairs on the second floor, and she opens the curtain, and she looks down, she goes, Honey, come here and look at this. And she points down, she goes, Look at this. The the people parked next to our donkey, look at them. I think that woman is having a baby right now. And I can, because I'm a man, I can just kind of picture his response. I hope she doesn't get afterbirth on my saddle. I just bought that thing. (laughs) Some of you are lost on that. I mean, what does seem clear at least from what we can read, is that no one really seemed to know what they were seeing. It was like they didn't know what was going on. What Christians today, those who are followers of Christ today, believe is one of the two most monumental events since the creation of the world, it's like God comes to man as a man. Nobody knows. People are just going about their business, doing life, doing whatever, and this happens in so many momentous events and it's completely missed by people. And this happens to us because in some ways at least, and I think you know this is true, we just don't have eyes to see. The Apostle Paul, when he was talking about this, quoted from Isaiah, he said this, he said, you'll ever be hearing but, but never understanding. You'll ever be seeing but never perceiving. In other words, you, you don't get it. For this people's heart has become calloused and, and they hardly hear with their ears and, and they've closed their eyes. I mean, what he's describing here is a common malady. We walk through life with eyes half closed, and we miss so much stuff around us. We get captured by things, honestly, that aren't even worth our full attention. And this happens to people on a regular basis. You're hearing something important, but then something silly happens, and you completely miss everything that's important. You lose sight of all, and you're not listening to me right now. And I just had to bring Brian back, Dancing Brian, for one more appearance. Let's welcome him back. I think you get the point. Now try to get that out of your head so you can hear what I have to say. It's interesting, you know... What they used to say was the most precious commodity you had would have been your stuff, your money and your things, your possessions. And then, of course, they told us, no, no, that's not it. What it actually is is time because you can't replace time. So the most valuable thing you have would be your time because it goes and then it's gone. And then we were told, and this is more recent, that really the most valuable thing that we possess, that we have, is our energy because you can have time and you can have stuff, but if you don't have the energy to enjoy it or to deal with it, then you, you, you got nothing at all. But it's interesting to me because even though you hear a lot about the importance of energy, there's a growing body of work today that actually says our most valuable commodity, and I don't think you'd be surprised at this, is focus. It's focus. It's actually being in the moment that you're in because we are so distracted. We're constantly missing so much of the stuff that's around us. And it's often stuff that really counts. You know, we see some silly thing and we just get lost. We just, we lose sight of the things often that really matter. And it's always been this way, but in recent years, in the last 10, 12, 13 years, there's been a dramatic shift, a dramatic shift in our lack of focus. Some of you are old enough to remember, in the old days, when you waited in line, you actually experienced something that you younger people don't even know what it is. It's called boredom. Does anybody remember that? You stood in line, and you didn't want to be in line, and you did, but you, that's what you did. But today, it doesn't look like that. What does it look like today? It looks like this, right? Everybody is looking at their phones. And I understand we're trying to figure all this out, that the advent of the smartphone so dramatically changed who we are that we're still trying to find our way through this. And I know we have to figure it out, and I'm not a zealot for, uh, against modern technology. I'm all for tech stuff. I love it. But I would say don't underestimate what this is doing to us, the impact that it's having, that we seem to lack any kind of consistent focus these days because we're almost immediately going down and scrolling and looking, especially, especially in the area of social media. In 2017, so just a couple of years ago, Sean Parker, who was the first president of Facebook, did an interview in which he now calls himself a conscientious subject, objector to social media. This is the guy who was the first president of Facebook. In this interview with Axios, he called himself a conscientious objector to social media, and uh, um, he said, actually, this, in this interview, he talked about social media empire that he helped to create. And I want to just quote some of his words now, because I want you to hear this. This is really important. He says, God only knows what it's doing to our children's brains. The thought process that went into building these applications, he's talking about social media, Facebook being the first of them, was all about how do we consume as much of your time and conscious attention as possible. And that means we need to sort of give you a little dopamine hit every once in a while because someone liked or commented on a photo that you posted or whatever. That's gonna get you to contribute more content and that's gonna get you more likes and comments. And this is what he says. Don't miss this. He says it's a social validation feedback loop, exactly the kind of thing that a hacker like myself would come up with because you're exploiting a vulnerability in human psychology. These are the words of the first president of Facebook. And what he understands and has now come to the place where he says, I'm a conscientious objector to it, is that it steals from us so much. You understand, most of you are on social media, you understand that you are not their customer. You understand that, don't you? You don't pay for a Facebook app or Instagram or any of that stuff. You don't pay for a Twitter account. You are not the customer. You are the product. And they use your attention and your focus to sell to their clients who then try to sell to you, and that's exactly, and the algorithm, as he said, as Parker said, is to keep us scrolling and scrolling and looking, and I'm not vilifying social media, I'm just saying, I think it has its place, but I'm just saying, don't miss what's really happening in our lives. We have lost the ability sometimes, I think, to focus, and the cost to us is staggering, I mean, in many ways, we've all but stopped being able to focus for any extended period of time, and we miss so much of life. I mean, you take your phone with you everywhere. Let's just be honest. You take it in the bathroom. Come on, is that true? And you're sitting on the throne, scrolling. You don't have a time anymore where you focus on something, where you're just quiet, nothing. And I know some of you are like, dude, you're just being a downer now, all right? This is just such a... You know, you're supposed to give us a little Jesus dopamine hit, it's Christmas Eve, and then send us on our way. And so, okay, okay, so I'm going to give you a couple pictures to try to make you feel better, all right? Let's just put those up. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See? You're feeling dopamine already, aren't you? It's just so sweet. All right, you feeling better? So can I go on now? All right? See, the problem is, and this is a, this is a remarkable thing that you think about, we are being trained subtly to look for constant gratification. And the problem with that is is that it's not always the, the things that draw us are not always the most important things in life. Often the things that are most important that we should focus on don't bring us the instant gratification or, if you will, the dopamine hits that come otherwise. Often it's the stuff that doesn't really matter that we get sucked into and we're just scrolling and stuff is happening around us that's important. And just like the people back in Jesus' day, they miss it. And it's always been a problem for human beings And this is just my observation. Some of you may disagree with it. But today, I actually think it is epidemic. And I guess what I'm saying is whether you're 7 or 70, you just want to make sure that you're looking at the stuff that really matters. Now, as a church, we would say that looking at God is really important. That paying attention, noticing that God is with us really matters. And if you do that, we believe that you'll actually experience God. This is what God says in Jeremiah chapter 29. says, you will seek me and find me. And then this is interesting how he says that when you seek me with all your heart. In other words, he's saying, I'm here to be found. But you're going to have to focus. Put your phone down. You're going to have to focus. And all I really want to do this Christmas is just give us a holiday challenge. Here's my holiday challenge to you, okay? Just for the next seven days through New Year's Day, I want you just to look. For God. doesn't matter if you're a follower of Jesus or if you are not. I know some of you say, I'm not even sure where I'm at with God. I'm just along because my mom asked me to come. And I get that, and we're not going to try to clone you into our image. But I just want to challenge you. Because I think I can say it to even people who don't believe there's a God. Just try it. Just look for God. Because Because those of us who have encountered God, we find that he's everywhere we look. If we're focused. If we're actually looking for him. Because when you see God, and why this matters so much is that when you become aware of God in any circumstance or situation, it just changes your experience of what's going on. It does something on the inside. When you realize that there is a being there that is higher and, and bigger, the creator of the universe who loves you and cares about you, he's there in your presence, it, 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 you realize how petty our complaints and our issues and all the things we get sucked into are, and you realize there's something more. Something happens to you when you actually see God. It changes you a little bit. It doesn't make you perfect, but it it does make you a better person. It makes you more thoughtful and more loving, more present and aware in the moment. It does something on the inside of you. You enjoy life more because something powerful happens when you make a connection with God. I mean, you look at the face of a child and you see the imprint of God. Instead of being, awe, it's awe because you realize that there is more than just you and just what's happening in your life in this moment or just what you're scrolling on your phone. Now let me be clear. I'm very aware that some of you are struggling. Christmas can be so hard for some people. You lose somebody around that time or you've just had a a devastating thing happen in your life. So many reasons. And I understand that. I hear you. Because you may be saying, Jeff, it's not so easy just looking for God. You don't know what I'm going through. I hear you. But what I hope you can hear is that even in the dark places in our lives, if you look for God, this was his promise, if you look for me, you will see me. And it doesn't make everything perfect and better, it doesn't fix everything, but something happens, an awareness of God's love in you, even when you're in a dark place, even when you know this isn't going to end soon, it's obviously not over, and this isn't good, and I hate it. Nevertheless, what you realize is that God is with you. And that in the end, even though you don't understand, he will somehow make it okay. He will sometime, somehow, in some place, in some way, he will work it out so it is okay. Several years ago, my middle son Mike and his wife Faith entered the nesting stage. And our whole family, we have a big family because Ann and I had six kids by birth and We have a big family, and all of us were celebrating. We were all so excited about the pregnancy and this coming child, and it was such a wonderful thing. And then little Michael William Arnett was born, and he lived for an hour and a half before he died. I don't even know how you deal with stuff like that. I'm a pastor. I'm supposed to have this stuff figured out. I don't even know how you deal with that. And I know some of you know this because you've experienced this. As much as I watched the pain in my kids, I felt this deep pain myself because when your kids are wounded, you'd do anything to fix it, but I could not fix it. But the doctors told them, this is an anomaly, and we think you're fine. You go ahead. When you're ready, you go ahead and have a child. And so fairly quickly, they got pregnant again. And then in 2017, Little Elizabeth Joy was born. And she lived for about seven hours. We all held her in our arms. And then she died. How do you explain that? How do you fix something that's dark and painful and overwhelming like that? How do you even deal with it? Be honest with you, I actually felt afraid for my kids. Mike and Faith, because I thought, how can they recover from this? How can they deal with this? I don't even know. I I was wrecked over the thing. How do you deal with the loss of two human beings that you've held in your arms? How do you do that? I think we don't have the side of having the answers to all these things. But I have... I'm telling you this for a reason, and with permission, by the way. I have seen that even when you're in the darkest valley, when you feel like you have nothing left and you can't see anything, that even there, when you don't understand, God is with you and if you look for him, you will see him and it doesn't make it instantly better and it doesn't fix everything and it doesn't heal it all, but something is there and God is still at work and he is still real and he is still with us. And six weeks ago, I sat in the Berry County Courthouse because my my six-month-old grandson, Abraham, had a court date where his adoption was finalized. That's Mike and Faith in the middle, and that's little Abraham there, that cute, beautiful little baby. And so we're sitting in the courthouse and, and uh, I'm sorry. we're sitting in the courthouse, and they, they make everybody leave the courthouse, uh, the room, you know, the courtroom, but the family and any friends you want in there, and so they're going through the procedure, and then the judge stops at one point and he says, "I just want to give a chance." He said, "Is anybody in the family? anybody want to say anything?" And I thought, "Well, I am the patriarch of the Arnett side. I ought to get up and say something, And I'm a stinking preacher, you know I ought to I couldn't I couldn't. And then face dad stands up. That's, you know, my daughter-in-law's dad, he stands up and talks about how wonderful they are and how they're going to be great parents. And he's watched him parent Abe, you know, these, these six months or five months or whatever it was. And I'm like, now you really got to get up. And I couldn't. And I never did. I know some of you think you were at a lack of words All I could do was sit there and think that there is a God and there is redemption. And I don't understand it all, and I don't have everything figured out, but what I know is that even in the darkest places, even in the most difficult places, that if you look for Him, you will see God. Because He is with us. All of us have our own personal pain. And what I find is is that when I get stressed, or when I get angry, or when I get wounded, or whatever... I'll get all worked up, and then when I come back to God and just look for him, where are you at in this? It's like when I see him, it doesn't always fix it. It doesn't always make it easy, but what it does is it makes me aware that there's something bigger than just my understanding, that I don't have to have it all figured out because there is a God who loves us. Amen? There is a God who loves us, and he is, and he is with us. And if we look for him, if we put our phone down We'll see him. Do you see what I see? You think I don't see pain? I see pain. But even in pain that I don't understand, I know there is a God, and I see that God. And if you'll look for him, he said, if you'll look for me with all your heart, you'll see me. And so this is what I want to do. All I want to do is just challenge you. (laughs) This week, look for God sightings. Look for God, because he's there. He's in the middle of all the stuff in your life. Look Wives, look in the face of your husband. You don't have to do it right this minute. I'm just saying, you know. And when you do, look for God. And I know, I know, I know, I know. Men are jerks. You know, they're crude and all that. I get. That. I'm one too. I get it. Men are pigs. I'm. I'm with you. But if you look for God while you're looking at him, I think you will see the imprint of God. Look at your wife. Look at your children. Contrary to what you believe, they're not demons. They're human beings, loved by God. And if you look at them, and you look for God, while you're looking, you will see the hand of God. And so I want you, I'm going to ask the ushers to hand out some cards. They look like this. It's just a piece of cardstock. Guys, you got that? Just bring them up and hand them out if you would. And, And this is just, I challenge you to take this card home with you this weekend. We're not done with the service yet but I challenge you just to take this with you and it's just got a place for each day between now and the 31st for you just write where you see God put it up on your mirror or put it on your desk or put it at the you know the stand by your bed or where, whatever you have put it where you'll see it and then just write down where have you seen God where have you seen God where have you seen God because he is there if you look for him but you have to focus you have to sometimes set your phone down and reconnect with him and I will just say this to you. I know that there may be some of you who are just like, Jeff, you just telling that just makes me feel worse. I just feel so much pain. If you're in pain, we would love to help you if we can. If you're just confused or if you're just not sure what the next step is for you, we would love to help you take a next step. We actually have. And I'm going to just put this, these, uh, this up on the screen. You can text T V C Hope to that number right there. And we have a whole cadre of people who said, I would be glad to talk to someone Christmas Eve or Christmas Day or any time. If you want someone to help you take, they will text you back. If you want someone to help, text TVC Hope to that number, 77948, and we will respond, and we will do what we can to help you, even tonight, even tomorrow, because we believe that there is hope with God. And if you look for Him, you will see Him. Because he is. Amen? Amen, Amen. he is. So would you pray with me now, God? We look for you. We we want to remember that it's more than just us. It's more than just the stuff and the experiences we're going through. It is you. You are there. Help us to not miss you. In Jesus' name, let's say together, amen, amen. Thank you for listening to the Thornapple Valley Church Podcast. If you found this message encouraging, we invite you to share it. For more information, visit tvcweb.com.